Unbreakable Gang. That's what we are every Saturday across these great United States. David Essel in the box. Titanium. Totally unbreakable. That's the attitude that we would like you to absorb into your own mindset, into your own psyche, into the subconscious. This program is based on doing that, giving you thoughts and ideas and information on how to become stronger, how to become uh, unflappable, how to go after your goals and your dreams with everything you have. We've been doing it for 22 years, and I want to thank you so much for being with us here on this Saturday. Of course, David Essel in the box with you every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, broadcasting live out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California. We are proud to be part of the Premier Radio Network. XM Satellite Radio Channel 168. And for those who do not yet have XM, you can listen to the show live at talkdavid.com. Coming up a little later in the show, we'll tell you if you want to become part of our texting club, you'll even be able to listen to your show, to this show, on your smartphone, your iPhone, any phone that you have just about. You can listen to it. 1-800-548-8255. Pure Positive Talk. That's all we are. That's all we've been. That's all we will continue to be. In just a minute, we have, um, I'm very excited to talk to Jessica Billings. Jessica is the current, um, Miss USA Pennsylvania. We're going to be talking to her in just a few minutes. It's exciting. This woman, now, of course, you know, you, you, you would just imagine she's gorgeous. Yes, she is. And if you want to check her out, billingsjessica.com is the website, but she's deeper than that. I mean, this is a young woman who has already in her young age, She's done so many amazing things. She had a chance to address the United Nations General Assembly in New York City just for one. Is that incredible? I mean, oh, my Lord. Talk about someone that's gifted and driven and beautiful and making a difference in this world. Excited. We'll be talking to Jessica in just a moment. Um, I wanted to go back. We just got an email in asking me if I would complete my thoughts in hour one, which is hilarious, because, yes, I can go off on tangents about why we return to unhealthy relationships. I made the reference to Rihanna and Chris Brown, and I bless them. And I hope they're doing the right thing, and I hope they've both done a lot of work on their own, and maybe they're working with someone right now in order to come back together from an unhealthy relationship to a healthy one. But why? Why do we continue to return to unhealthy relationships? Why is it that when we date someone, we see it's not it, or we we marry someone, we see they're not it, and we leave them, and we come back, and it's still nothing changes, but we keep coming back? Why? The number one reason is that um, what we know of love from childhood, we repeat in different ways. So we're sponges as kids. So we look around us at adults who are, quote unquote, in love, could be parents, could be next door neighbors, could be relatives. And we absorb, oh, that's what love is, yelling and screaming or shutting down and going into the, the, the bathroom and shutting the door for hours or drinking heavily when they're unhappy. So that's what love is. And then we just repeat it. You know, we become another reason that we return to the unhealthy relationships is we become addicted to chaos and drama. So, you know, makeup sex, people go, oh, my God, makeup sex is the best sex ever. But that's an addiction. That's chaos and drama driven sex. So if we have that addiction to chaos and drama, we're going to return to the unhealthy relationship because that's what we think love is. If you need help, email us at talkdavid.com. We'd love to help you break through. If you see yourself in that pattern, talkdavid.com. Please do it because it's breakable, and real love can then surface. My guest right now, Jessica Billings, Miss Pennsylvania, USA, 2013. At the age of 14, she became the state's youngest voting human rights commissioner. She now is the reigning Miss Pennsylvania 
She also, as part of her story, grew up and has a brother with autism, which we're going to talk about that, too. It's a passion of hers to share the story and to share what people can do in order to understand what she has had to learn and understand. As a matter of fact, she's even done work in this arena, helping other siblings with autistic brothers and sisters learn how to be the best sibling possible. Jessica, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I've been looking to talk to you. Girl, you are so diverse, it blows my mind. Oh, well, thank you. You are. I mean, all of this stuff. At 14, you became the state's youngest voting rights, uh, human rights commissioner. How did that happen? What was that about? That's a young age to have that kind of position, isn't it? It was. It was very young. I actually wrote a, they had an essay contest and had the opportunity to write an essay about human rights. And through my research and just kind of you know, starting to write. It was the first time that I had ever shared the story of growing up with my brother, who is severely autistic, and it ended up winning the essay contest. And after that, they invited me to take a, a seat on the board, and it was very, um, very cool because I had the opportunity to go to different multicultural events. I had the opportunity to be a youth voice on the council, and I think that's so important because. It really is at a young age where we can change minds. You know, oftentimes by the time people are adults, they already have a formulated opinion, but this is really where where we can make a difference. Mm. Are you an overachiever? Uh, a little type A. My class is color coordinated by, you know, colors, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, now listen, I, I'm going to fast forward for a second, and then we're going to come back. But So what? where is it that your life is going? Like, what is it that you want to do? When you look out at the big picture and say, I'm working towards this, I'm an overachiever, I've got all of this gift, this talent, this energy, where does Jessica Billings want to be? I always really just want to be happy, and I my career goal is I would love to, right now I'm currently working as a flight attendant, and I would love to host my own travel show. Travel's been something that really changed my life, and I would love to have the opportunity to bring other people who might not have the opportunity to travel with me, you know, to exotic locations. And I think travel's such a great way to learn about yourself and different cultures, and I just want to give people that opportunity. And also, um, my work with autism, I do want to continue to expand that and and you know, continue to be an advocate and hopefully in the future, even on a global level, I think autism is something it's very near and dear to my heart. And I always plan to, to continue to work for that. Well, it doesn't surprise me that you know where you're going. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know what's coming your way, though. Life, life's funny that way. It absolutely is. But the fact that you have your ideas set, you know, is is absolutely doesn't surprise me. It's a blessing. Good for you. Um, OK, I'm going to ask you a couple questions and I want you to think Just th- imagine you're back on stage and you've got a short period of time to answer these questions. Number one, the greatest blessing that's come from being Miss Pennsylvania USA 2013 is what? Having a louder voice that has enabled me to really spread my message about autism awareness, and also just meeting so many so many people and um, just really having the opportunity to, to be the girl that I've always looked up to, I think is just, you know, it's surreal, and I just, I feel so honored to have that opportunity to, to be that role model for other little girls. Mm, 
Did you did you start off? Did you do children pageants? Okay, I'm gonna admit this. I did do children pageants, but I did not do the toddlers and tiaras makeup. You know, on five girls, <laughs> I actually did the little local um, city pageant, and I just wanted to ride in a parade. I was like infatuated with all the little girl or all the princesses with their crowns. So <laughs> I ended up winning that one, and um, I did. Con- Continue to compete for a while, and I always did pageants that really um, had a strong sense of community involvement and academic achievement. It was just, I, I didn't do them on a weekly basis or anything. I mean, once a year or something, it was something I always looked forward to, but um, I, you know, I've been on stage. I love being on stage and talking. I am known for talking, so... I've been around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have do you have pictures of yourself as a toddler in these little pageants? Do you still have pictures of those? I do. Um, you know, the little with the little crown on and everything, and singing at the senior citizens' home. So, oh, that's adorable, oh, we, Jessica. Is that music? Yes, I'm going to ask you to hang right there. We're going to a quick break. (laughs) I don't need you to do karaoke right yet, but we're going to go to a quick break. We'll have you come right back. Jessica Billings, uh, Miss Pennsylvania USA 2013 is my guest. More information on David Essel Live and Jessica Billings at talkdavid.com. I'm David Essel. Stay there. You're tuned in to America's Positive Radio Talk Show. David Essel live every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, across these great United States. 1-800-548-8255, celebrating 22 years in talk radio. XM 168 and streaming worldwide at talkdavid.com. My guest, Jessica Billings, the Miss Pennsylvania USA 2013, is my guest right here, right now. Jessica, so what was the biggest surprise? Being, being in the last number of months in the last year once you were crowned Miss Pennsylvania like what's the biggest surprise that's happened oh goodness um well I guess there's always surprises the other day I went to a sponsor and I was getting my eyebrows done and they filmed the whole thing so I was like trying to you know that was this week <laughs> I was a little surprised they were filming I was laughing but um, you know there's always always little things you never know yeah, so Are you, would you ever, I was just going to say, would you ever do a reality TV show? You know, I, I probably would. I don't really have much, much to hide or anything about my life, so I, I definitely would, would consider it. Yeah. I don't know. They, Jessica, That's you know what? One. They would, they would create tons of drama and chaos for you, honey. I know. <laughs> isn't that the truth? That's what they always say. They're just, the producers ask you questions that, and then they edit it. You know, so can- <laughs> that's right. You're going to be. Hey, um, who do you fly? Because if I'm ever on the air in the air flying with you, I am going to give you a hard time. I'm going to get on the in- intercom and I'm going to go, ladies and gentlemen, does everyone know that we are flying with Miss Pennsylvania 2013? <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I fly really low key. I do fly for Delta, so um, you know you can keep an 
eye out for me in the skies. You never know. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And that's who I fly all the time. Yeah, you know what? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, as a matter of fact, uh, Delta is the, about the only airlines I fly. And so, all right, Jessica, look out, honey. You may never know when David <laughs> Essel could be in, in your section. <laughs> I'll keep an eye oh. out for your name on the pre-departure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, talk about, t- tell us about your brother, severe autism. What's your brother's first name? Do you mind sharing? Jamie. No, it's, Jamie. his name is Jamie. Jamie and Jessica. We used to have a, a family boat named Jesse James. Mm. Pretty cute. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. And and um, tell us but, about about growing up with with a severely autistic brother. Tell me tell me what it was like just for you personally. You know, there's so many moments that it's so it just makes me laugh. There's like moments where when we go to the mall, it's like we ride escalators when we go to the mall because that's all Jamie loves to do. He doesn't care about the stores. He doesn't care, you know, and I'll never forget there was one time at church we were, Jamie literally, you know, took a bath in the holy water. We're like, oh, my gosh, you know, there's so many moments of just, it's so much fun. You know, there's just, he's absolutely, his smile can, like, light up a room. It's just, he's such a wonderful person, so pure, and just, Mm. I absolutely adore him um you know and then there's moments that are more challenging and there's moments where you will get stares when you're at you know shopping at the grocery store or you know people have made comments mm. in the past and and that can be hard because it's you know i do see jamie for jamie and i love him you know for my brother and and that's who he is first and foremost you know before any disability before anything but i do feel like he has just been such a blessing because you know, being completely nonverbal, he's still taught me so much. And mm. I just, I think that's such an incredible gift. And I think anyone who's met him would agree with me that his outlook on life and just, you know, the way he can wake up every day with a smile and, and the challenges mm. he faces, I think that there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Has it, has it brought your family closer in some ways? In some ways, yes. Unfortunately, my family um, ended up getting to where my parents got divorced, and that's very common. I think it's 75% of um, families who have a child with a disability end up in divorce. And, mm-hmm. the you know, it just does put a lot of stress on a marriage. Um, but it is very, um, it's been my mom, brother, and I growing up, and we are kind of just, you know, three peas in a pod. We just all, we're on a very routine schedule. I mean, I remember coming home from school as a little girl, and it was like dinner was at 5 o'clock, and getting ready for bed was 8 o'clock, and mm. my mom and I would sit and play checkers every night, or we would read together. And, um, you know, Jamie and I loved, we, he can um, ride a bike. It took him, like, months to learn to ride a bike, but he loves to go on bike rides, and he loves to go to McDonald's, so we always take him to McDonald's but almost on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? So I don't know how he eats all those fries and stays so skinny. <laughs> but, when, when, you're, when you're speaking to groups about autism and your experience with your brother, what is the message that you try to bring to other families that have um, a sibling with autism as well? What's... I love to share my family's story because I do believe we are a story of hope. And I do think that, yes, there's been challenges along the way. And, you know, yes, there's been moments where it's frustrating and, and 
you know, it, it does affect the entire family. That's a huge thing to know, but I think, you know, my family absolutely loves having Jamie, and, and I just, we've really embraced it, and it's just our, you know, so my mom's life still revolves a lot around my brother and his schedule and his needs, but she, she never, you know, it's just like, She's more than happy to do that, and I think that's such an important thing to make sure that that child has their needs met and to, you know, find a way it works for the whole family and that where everyone can still be involved, and I think it can be challenging. So my message is that to embrace and to love, love that member of your family and to realize that over time you will see it as the biggest gift that you will have ever been. You know, Jessica, I have a friend with a daughter with Down syndrome and um, who will always live with mom. And I walked in one time and I said, I knocked on the door and I said, is your mom here? And so she, she was very, very polite, said, Mr. David, I will go see. She came back and said yes. And I looked at her and I saw the smile of an angel, Jessica. I Aww. saw in this girl's face, the smile of an angel, and I said to her, and her name is Megan, and I said, Megan, I have to tell you, you are angelic. You remind me of an angel. Your smile is so beautiful. And she looked at me, and she said, Mr. David, that's because I am one. Oh. Oh, my <laughs> Isn't goodness. Isn't that beautiful? That's so sweet. No, it's, it is so true. I do feel like people, you know, like my brother and, and who do have Down syndrome, who do have any disability, you know, I, I think there's so much they give and it's like yet they take so little relatively to what they give to the world you know it's just unbelievable like my brother's needs are so minimal comparative to the joy he gives to those around him right jessica billings miss pennsylvania usa 2013 has been my guest talking about her experiences her desire to have her own reality show as you heard her state right here on david (laughs) s alive absolutely jessica you never know what you're going to get into on this program i mean she's already and for all the producers in la listening right now and in new york she's already prepared herself by allowing while her eyebrows were being waxed to be filmed now that tells me that's someone who wants it that's not someone who's fooling around anymore (laughs) that's someone who absolutely is calling for it you know what i'm saying jessica yeah. Well, they could just, you know, get that, that footage right from, from the eyebrow place. <laughs> That's right. If you want more information on Jessica, go to BillingsJessica.com. That's BillingsJessica.com. Jessica, this was an absolute joy. I'm so glad that you had the time today to share your story and, and your work as a Miss USA. And I look forward to connecting with you again very soon and maybe seeing you in the air. Oh, well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Bye, Jessica. Bye-bye. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255, here to bring you ideas and thoughts on how to live a more powerful life, a more proactive life. And I'm going to repeat this again, ladies and gentlemen, go after what you desire. When you hear someone like Jessica with all the goals that she has set up and all that she wants to desire in life and what she's doing to go after it, that's what you and I have to do as well. Let's model those people who are already successful. More information on upcoming guests at TalkDavid.com. I'm David Essel. Stay there. Shine bright like a diamond Shine bright like a diamond Find light in the beautiful sea I chose to be happy 
You are tuned into America's Positive Radio talk show, David Essel Alive, celebrating 22 years on the air, broadcasting live on a studio in Los Angeles, California, 1-800-548-8255, XM, satellite radio 168, and streaming worldwide at talkdavid.com. In a couple minutes, Dr. Eben Alexander is going to be with us. This is going to be an amazing interview. If If you believe in heaven, God... You're going to want to listen. If you do not believe there's a such thing as heaven or God, you're going to want to listen. And I'm going to tell you more in a couple minutes because this is going to be incredible. I've been very excited about having Dr. Alexander on the show. He is the author of the book Proof of Heaven. And it's, it's, it's an incredible read and it's an incredible story. And if you right now, if you're wishing that you could be listening to this show live on your smartphone, your iPhone, your Android, whatever it might be, I'm going to give you a way to do that. So you don't have to stay tethered. We have, we have people that are in their wood shop. We get text that they're in their wood shop listening to the show, feeding cattle, listening to the show on their smartphones. And this is what you can do. Join the David Essel Live VIP texting club. You'll be able to hear me and Dr. Alexander live in just moments. Type in the number 69302 into your smartphone, iPhone, Android. Type in the number 69302. In the message box, type in Talk David, all one word, lowercase. Talk David, all one word, lowercase. Hit send. Moments later, you'll get a text with a link to listen to the show live. And then every Saturday, the text will come through with the link so you can listen. You do it one time, baby, and you are set for life. Here we go again. Type in the number, 69302. The message, Talk David, all one word, lowercase. Hit send. You're automatically linked up. With the show on live, your iPhone, smartphone, Android, 1-800-548-8255. Can you imagine being a neurosurgeon, a scientific, heavily scientific man, doesn't quite believe in this whole thing about heaven and the divine, goes into a coma for a week, and during that week experiences God to come back and to talk about it just before they were going to take him off life support. This isn't a movie. It isn't a fantasy. It's the real-life story of Dr. Eben Alexander, who's with us right now. Dr. Alexander, welcome to the show. Hello, David. Thanks for having me on. You're very, very welcome. Can you share with us what God or the divine looks like when you crossed over to the other side? Can you? It, it, was there images, feelings, Dr. Alexander? Well, my first awareness was in what I call the the gateway realm, which was a beautiful, idyllic uh, valley that had some earth-like trappings, but also had some um, uh, of that very otherworldly knowing, where we're not seeing with the eyes, we're not hearing with the ears. At times, we even experience everything and and become other entities to completely feel their emotions. And at that uh, at that place, it was a breath of like a warm summer breeze coming through. And that was my awareness. And from that point, uh, and that was with um, with a beautiful guardian angel that I described in my book. But from that point on, we went out of this universe, out of the material three-dimensional universe, much higher dimensional space, outside of time flow in this universe into a higher time that I call deep time. And it was out there that I fully experience that all-powerful deity so much more than words can convey uh, into the core, infinite inky blackness, but with an 
a brilliant, a clear orb of light beside me. Uh, and it was really the sense of the three of us, that all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, all-loving, divine. And in fact, I would not even use the word God for the first few months when I came back because to me that word was too trivializing. It was too human. There really is no word at all that can possibly describe the power and awe and love and beauty of that being. Any word at all falls miserably short. Did, did you get a feeling of, of more masculine or more feminine, this energy? No, it's absolutely uh, gender-free. In fact, I would say that gender is, um, in a sense, our the whole coming together of male and female and the creative aspects of it, the blissful aspects of it that that pale in comparison to the bliss of that oneness of that divinity. Uh, but they're all about um, getting closer to that divinity through the becoming one. And that's the creative aspect. It's also the blissful aspect. Uh, but no, that deity, uh, by definition to me from my journey, is purely gender-free and a perfect mixing, kind of like mm. white is the perfect of blending of all colors. Right, right. Did did you ask the divine? Do you remember consciously being present to ask the divine any questions during this trip? Well, there was a tremendous amount of information flow to me, uh, which I go into in some detail in the book, and we'll go into much more detail in in a second book. But the information flow um, was very uh, very clear. It's beyond linguistics. There's no talking. There's no words. Uh, there, the conceptual flow is absolutely pure and and so much uh, more um, complete. And uh, it it just that, that's one of the problems people have when they come back from near death experiences after this kind of deep transcendental encounter to try and put it into earthly words and language is very very difficult. But right. people who have been there uh, definitely you know get the message loud and clear. And and one of the points I try to make in the book is that we can all go there. You don't have to have a near-death experience, but it does demand uh, going deep into consciousness, into the oneness of centering prayer, the oneness of deep meditative states, uh, and turning off that little linguistic voice in our head that thinks it's so smart. Uh, that is how we can all get in touch with that much deeper mm -hmm. uh, awareness of that all-loving deity. You know, Dr. Alexander, I, I don't, I, I have nothing to compare to my own life experiences. I will say that through my practice of transcendental meditation 25 years now, that I go into the space that I believe that you're describing. Um, it is it, obviously the transcendental state. It is the most unbelievable experience that I can think of having as a human being, but I don't know how it would compare to your crossing over in a near-death experience. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I do know what you mean, and what I can say is that um, deep meditation, centering prayer, and, and sometimes it's spontaneous, what I call the gift of desperation, which I certainly saw in my patients and families mm. uh, at certain times where... Uh, you know, we're just dealt so much that we can't imagine being able to take another step, and then we get that absolutely all-powerful awareness and knowing of that loving uh, divinity with, within us. And it is so shocking when people get that, because it comes right. out of the blue, and it is so powerful. It enables them 
uh, to overcome anything, and that is that's a tremendous gift when you when you have that. But we can also get to it through uh, deep meditation, centering prayer, uh, those kind of modalities. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Dr. Eben Alexander, the author of the book Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife. An amazing read, an incredible read. Right after these messages, we're going to come back. If you want more information right now on Dr. Alexander, go to the website lifebeyonddeath.net, lifebeyonddeath.net. And on the other side of this short break, we'll be coming back and asking more questions. Um, one of the things that Dr. Alexander stated that he believed before he had his own experience was that this, the near-death experience and the, and the transcendence into some kind of heaven state was created by the brain. And now when he comes back, he says, no, it's not created by the brain. It's the real deal. And we'll ask him to share with us how he knows that to be true. And that's something manufactured by the mind itself. 1-800-548-8255. More information on Dr. Alexander at our website and all about our show, talkdavid.com. I thank you so much for taking some of the busiest times of your day on a Saturday and sharing it. It's all about moving forward in life. That's what we do. And that's why you're here. I'm David Essel. Stay right there. You're tuned into America's Positive Radio Talk Show. Welcome aboard. David Essel in the box every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific, out of Studio E, Los Angeles, California, XM Satellite Radio 168, streaming worldwide at talkdavid.com. Proud to be part of the premier radio network. My guest, Dr. Eben Alexander, author of the book Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife. Dr. Alexander, in the book you say that um, prior to your experience that you believed pretty much so, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that uh, anyone that went over and said that they connected with the divine, saw God, experienced God, whatever it might be, it was probably a fantasy created in the brain. How well, I, you- I must confess, I really didn't read the literature very much on near-death experiences before my right. coma. And I had come along in a very kind of scientific up- upbringing of kind of 20th century thinking, and uh, I, I thought the brain created consciousness. And to me, even though we didn't really understand the kind of basic mechanisms of how that might happen, uh, I saw enough daily in uh, neurosurgical practice to realize the strong connection and just think that uh, there were so many things that could go wrong with the brain that would take away consciousness that it seemed pretty clear to me that that was the case. But my uh, journey deep in coma showed me uh, a very different aspect of all that. Now, as a neurosurgeon, um, do you have any fear of death? Well, I, not after my coma, no. I mean, just like most near-death experiences, uh, people who come back from that realize that dying is not the end, that it's a transition, and that, in fact, our consciousness goes to a much higher uh, level when we leave the physical body behind. So, no, I'm not afraid of death at all. Did you want to come back, or would you have rather stayed? Well, you know, the interesting thing about my my case, in a sense, it's kind of the exception that proves the rule, and that is, uh, and initially I attributed this to the meningitis, that 
Uh, meningitis is such a perfect way to mimic human death that it wiped out my neocortex, the outer surface of the brain, the part that really makes us human and is responsible for all human conscious experience. And in fact, that was the biggest mystery, is how come when I was way down in the depths with meningitis devastating my neocortex, the, the blinders came off, and that's when I actually emerged into this hyper-real uh, world that is uh, so indescribable and rich. And um, I spent the longest time after my coma trying to explain that as a brain-based mechanism, trying to somehow mm -hmm. explain how that ultra-real, very crisp, interactive, rich, and vivid uh, realm could emerge when my neocortex was so deathly ill. And uh, in essence, uh, after a very long analysis with many uh, colleagues, uh, what I determined was that there was no way that it happened in my brain. And so that was a crucial finding in terms of driving the rest of my understanding of this. Yeah. But did you want to come back? Um, well, part of part of it is that I did not, I had no memory of my earthly ties, family ties, kind of soul ties to other souls, and that's what allowed me to go uh, so deep and so far in, in some measure. But I think it all, all of that happened for a reason, and it was to make the point that that realm is very real. Uh, and is just because it doesn't occur in the brain and just because it doesn't occur uh, in the physical universe doesn't take away from the fact that it could actually be more real, kind of along the lines of Plato's world of forms, but something that truly exists. And since I had no memory of all those aspects of my personal life, I would have preferred to stay there. And But I was yeah. told many times, every time I entered into that highest realm, what I call the core, outside of the whole multiverse and outside of our earthly time, I was told you're not here to stay. There, we will teach you many things, but you'll be going back. Uh, so it was only at the very end of it that I actually had a choice about coming back, and that's when I saw those six faces that I mentioned in the uh, book, mm -hmm. including that of my 10-year-old son, even though I didn't mm -hmm. remember his name or you know what a son and father are because my brain had been... My human memories, personal life, had been deleted, but there was something about my love and connection to my 10-year-old son, Bond, that really impelled me to come back at all costs. The, your, your professional colleagues, the percentage of people that look at your story, read your book, hear you maybe talking on a radio show like this, the percentage that you think of neurosurgeons around the country that would say, wow, I, I, you know, I think this guy is dead on, or I think he got hit on the head too hard, <laughs> whatever it might be. Any idea what percentage of, of the medical professionals such as yourself will look at the story and maybe switch their thinking because of it? Well, I can say that the more they know about consciousness and about the, the very well-defined scientific problem of the hard problem of consciousness, which basically says that there's no one on Earth who can even begin the first sentence that explains how consciousness emerges from the physical brain. And that's a very stunning reality for people to understand. And, and also the, the enigma of quantum mechanics does enter into an understanding of how all this makes more sense that consciousness is actually primary and is not derived from the brain. And I would say that a lot of my colleagues, um, once we can start talking about those uh, particular uh, very deep issues around uh, the science of consciousness and kind of the lack of our knowing of how consciousness might be uh, created by the physical brain, 
uh, then they start to open up to the big reality of what my journey uh, reveals. And of course, my journey, I'm not alone. There are tens of thousands, if not millions of people who have reported these kind of experiences and near-death experiences. And of course, the old me before coma would have said, oh, well, it's got to be some kind of hallucination or dream. But right. having been there, I can tell you, no, not mm. at all. And I go into some of that in my book, but the 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 uh, evidence is there that these are very real experiences, but they're they're very deep too. And our brain, our personal history, cultural history does taint the memories and our reporting of them when we come back. It's not an Earth-like realm at all. So of course, uh, you know, our language that is an earthly language kind of paints things in an earthly fashion. Mm. But don't right. miss the forest for the trees. The reality of that realm is is very strong. Dr. Alexander, a, a final question. You'll have 60 seconds because we're running out of time here. Do you think you were chosen specifically to experience God because of the fact that you are a neurosurgeon in the medical field to come back and to help the medical community see the reality of an afterlife? Do you think you were specifically chosen because of your position? Well, it took me more than two years to get to a point where I would admit that. But I think that possibly that's the case. But the reality is all of us have seen God, can see God, and, and do see God. And deep prayer and centering, uh, centering prayer and deep meditation are the ways in there. This is not something that is just for me, obviously. This is for all mm-hmm. of us because God is inside each and every one of us. That's a big part of my message. Yeah, yeah, but it's also quite cool that you had the opportunity to go to that level since you are a neurosurgeon. You know what I mean? Well, I can tell you over there, an MD degree and, and a good neurosurgical residency do not mean a thing. Uh, but I do see how in this realm, uh, yes. whatever it's worth, yes, the, I guess if I'd been a plumber, I would have listened to my doctors when they said it was all hallucination, and I would have let it go. It's a good thing that I knew enough of the neuroscience to realize, no, uh, yeah. you know, there's some reality to this. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for more information, Dr. Eben Alexander, the name of the book, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, the website, lifebeyonddeath.net. Check it out, lifebeyonddeath.net. Dr. Alexander, this rocked. I just think your story is phenomenal. You are a great guest on the show, and I hope we can come back and even explore more with you in the future. Well, I do too, David. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a beautiful night. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. 1-800-548-8255. Is that just too cool? I just think that's awesome. And here's one of the things, and we've interviewed quite a few people over 22 years that have gone through near-death experiences. And do you want to, even though there's a central theme that can be similar, there's a lot of differences. There are a lot of differences. I, I like the fact that Dr. Alexander was able to talk about the um, non-genderized experience, the um, the all the all-compassing effect of the divine of God. I love the fact that he said prior to this experience, he and it took him a while coming back and and thinking about all this is that the word God was a little off the charts, but now he's comfortable with it. That there is no reason to fear death. We can learn, ladies and gentlemen, so much from someone like this is experience. And I'm on board 100% that when we do open ourselves up to the unexplained, the, uh, the, the supernatural, and then we hear what he said was that you and I can go there now. We can go there daily, deep centering prayer. In my case, transcendental meditation has taken me into that space for over 20 years. 
Think about it. And remember this. The most important thing I can tell you today is that whatever you desire to change, it can be done starting right now. Sobriety, deep love, weight loss, healing from injuries and illnesses, whatever you so desire, if you're willing to stretch, to ask for help, to get other people as accountability partners, to get you on path, you can have what you desire. Let's all start it together. 